Good morning. My name is Pastor Bruce, pastor, English pastor here at South Edmonton Alliance Church. So glad to have you joining with us today. Um, if you're watching online, we, again, we'd like to welcome you again and appreciate that you're able to join with us as well. Well, you probably noticed in obvious fashion the trunk that I dragged up the aisle. You're probably wanting to know what's in it. Well, some of it you already know because really the trunk represents my life. Represents all the good things that have happened, experiences, but it's also filled with a bunch of other things that, uh, well, let's just say that I haven't necessarily shared everything about what's in my life. The, the good things, they, they, don't, they, they don't weigh a thing. They're really light. But the dark things in my life, they, they can be pretty heavy at times. Um, the stupid things that I've done, the ways that I have fumbled and stumbled, they kind of get buried and uh, put in the trunk so no one can see them. A lot of painful things, painful memories, things I've done, things I've admitted to, some of them I have, some of them I wish I should have admitted to earlier. I mean, to be honest with you, my life, like yours, has been filled with all kinds of experiences. Um, some pretty things that have made me broken, sick, messed up. And I would have loved to do something about them, but for so many years, I just kept them there in the trunk. And because the reason is because if I shared them with you, you probably wouldn't like me so much. and You'd probably run for the hills. Ever feel like that? Some of them I didn't even dare want to think about because I was afraid that if I thought about them enough, they might lead me to a dark place. Some places I didn't necessarily even want to go. I wasn't sure what I would turn out like if I went to those places. I also had a lot of fear, not outwardly, but inwardly I had a lot of fear. But I put on a pretty brave face, and I was afraid to get too close to people, to take their, their criticism or their opinions, afraid to be bold. Um, sometimes I was overly bold. Well, I was insecure on a number of different levels. My trunk was packed so full of stuff that I didn't want, I didn't know how to let it go. I didn't know how to unload my past. So I kept them hidden. Away from everyone, family, friends, loved ones. No one knew, there was parts of my past that no soul, no person knew. And I was packing this trunk around for so many years that I didn't even know I, I almost forgot that I was carrying it around. And you know what most, and like, you know, when you're packing things around for a long time, you don't notice it, but sometimes everybody else does. I mean, when I came down the aisle, you obviously knew that I was pulling something behind me. 
It was obvious. But sometimes when we, we carry loads like this for such a long time, nobody sees them. Nobody sees them. Or we think nobody sees them. We don't see them anymore. We just carry them along with us. And I wanted, I wanted to move forward. I wanted to unpack it. I, I wanted to get rid of the load, but I didn't know how. I was scared. I packed it full of all kinds of junk. And this whole idea of a suitcase full of junk, stuff that I shouldn't have, I don't want, I didn't want to carry, I carried for so many years. I borrowed the idea this morning from Rob Reamer, is the book that uh, Jenny talked about, Soul Care. He talks about the suitcase of our life and unpacking the suitcase. In other words, he says in there, if we want more of what God has for us, the only way to do that is to get rid of stuff that's in the trunk, that's filling it up, so there can be more of God put in there. Because our life is only so full. Our life is only so full. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how to unload that suitcase. Um, Jenny talked about the kind of soul care type conference we're going to offer in March. Um, it's called Set Free Retreat. And um, I'm really excited about the opportunity to, to, to host it and be a part of it here. We have um, some, some key people in our church that are willing to gonna kind of team teach it with myself. So I think I can announce that Phoebe and Ace are both going to team teach with me on this. Um, we have others that are willing to kind of work behind the scenes on setting it up. And we're still, there's so many details we have yet to do. But I'm excited about it because what it's going to do, it's going to give so many of you opportunities to take the first steps to make this aspect of unpacking the trunk or the suitcase of your life and to discover more of what it means. But over the next few weeks, we're going to explore that from this perspective, from me speaking to you. There may not be a lot of exercises for you to do it unless you take the initiative on it. And that's what the Set Free Retreat will be. It will be some opportunities for you to exercise that. And we'll explain more about that in the coming weeks. But for me... When Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is here, or is near, I wanted that. I wanted what God had for me. But there was always the big questions, what if? What if I open up? What will people think? What will others say? How will they judge me? What will they critique me on? Am I even worthy to be a pastor? All those things filled my trunk of my life. And yet... About six years ago, I took the plunge, and I started. Un I mean, I had, there was lots of stuff I had unpacked throughout my life, but there was lots of things that were down inside, heavy, heavy things that I'd packed in there and I'd carried for a long time. I want to start this morning with a passage from Hebrews chapter 12, and I want us to turn there. And I've read, I had read this passage dozens of times in my life. I, have, I, I even had, had it memorized. But it wasn't until about six years ago that these verses really began to have a deeper understanding of what they were all about. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me. If you have the Bible app, you can go down to the events and click on the corner and look up South Edmonton Alliance Church and bring it up. And they'll have all the notes and questions that will be on the screen as included in there. But there I'd like you to, talk. let's look at those, that passage from Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, 
Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's writer here to the Hebrews, he talks about those that have gone on before. He says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. In other words, we aren't in this journey alone. And the, the witnesses he's talking about is actually in the previous chapter. So you want to know what they went through, the challenges, the struggles, Go back to chapter 11 and read that and saying, see who the cloud of witnesses. Who are those that have gone before me, that have gone through the same kind of life as I have? See what they have endured. And then the writer says, because they have gone through this, because they have walked the path, they have taken the steps, let's follow them. And so then he gives us three steps, simple steps. Not easy steps, but simple steps. The first one is throw off hindrances. The second one is remove sinful entanglements. And the last one is to run the race by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Over the next few weeks, we will unpack all of those, but we're going to start just with the first two this morning. And we're going to unpack that over the next few weeks. And then at the end of the series, we'll, we'll finish with the last one. And we love the last one, focusing our eyes on Jesus, don't we? Isn't that where we like, like to be? Because that's where, and that's where we need to be. But sometimes we skip over the first two parts. And we push towards the last one, missing out on the ones that come before. But Jesus called us. Jesus called his people. He called in his messages. He said, repent and believe. Believing we love, but he, the repentance side, we're not sure what to do with that. We don't know what, that's kind of a, a negative word. But the writer here like unpacks about what that's all about. First of all, he talks about this thing called hindrances. What are hindrances? I think hindrances are things that, that impede us from moving forward, aren't they? Things that hold us back. Like trunks or soul baggage. Not necessarily bad things. It's a good trunk. It's been around a long time. Historically, it was probably owned by a rich person. And you're going, how do you know that? Well, because of the dome of the top of the trunk. It was probably the reason rich people had a domed trunk, because it could, nothing could be stacked on top of it. It was the last on the ship and the first off. But we like to pack ourselves... You know, we, we, we think we're above everybody else. We're better than everybody else. Maybe, maybe not. But hindrances are things that we pack in our trunk that really don't hold us back, in our life that hold us back. Like me packing this trunk around filled with things that I shouldn't be carrying can be pretty heavy. You run a race. Nobody in my knowledge of history has ever taken a pillow on a race. Or a blanket. I mean, not short races, or I mean, if you're doing overnight stuff, maybe. But not on a short race. You don't take 
a pillow, or a blanket. Why? Because it's going to hold you back. You wouldn't even wear the clothes that I'm wearing. You'd wear running shoes, you'd wear shorts, you'd wear a t-shirt, something that's not going to impede your movement. Hindrances are like that. They're, they're not necessarily bad. There's nothing wrong with the clothes. Well, I hope there's nothing wrong with the clothes I got on. But, but, but these clothes are going to hold me back if I'm running a race. And there's certain things in our life that are not wrong, but they hold us back. Let me share you one of the things. I've shared some of these before. One of the things is, when, when I, and I shared this at a friend of mine's funeral this last Monday. When my mom passed away, I saw my dad grieve, which is a good thing to do. And I decided, albeit subconsciously, that I never wanted to go, and, to go through the experience I saw my dad going through in the, in the loss of his, his wife or my mom. And so I shut down internally. And when I got married, I was a wall between myself and Vange because I did not want to, to, to go through the experience of being so emotionally connected with her that I could lose out. You see, there's nothing wrong with guarding ourselves. But it was a hindrance to my relationship with her. I don't know if it, you could count it as sinful or not. It definitely didn't help her at all in her life or our marriage, but I kept her at a distance. Here's another hindrance, and this one, I mean, that one I've kind of been working on and kind of overcome. The next one I'm still struggling with, and that is I still struggle with dyslexia. Another hindrance. I reverse numbers sometimes on people's phone numbers. Um, I'll reverse, even when I'm writing a text or an email, this kind of sounds really weird, but sometimes I write it out, then I go to the back end of the email and cut out the last part and put it at the front because that makes one, one more sense. Because for whatever reason, my brain, and this is only my best guess on how this works, is my brain is already thinking about the end before the beginning. I get things backwards. I'm kind of thinking ahead of myself. So if you get a message and it doesn't quite make sense, take the back end of the message, put it at the front of the message, and then try and reread it because it might work for you. Okay, just saying. It's, it's a huge headache. It caused me time to, 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 to move stuff around and to rethink things. But that's part of how God wired me. And that's, it's, it's just a hindrance. Another hindrance was I used to stutter as a child. Up until about maybe grade six, it's best guess, for whatever reason, my stuttering quit. That led, which isn't a bad thing, because that's just a natural response, but that led me to insecurity, be insecure as a child in elementary school. And later in my life. I mean, I can often be distracted by reading news, which is not a bad thing. We all should be updated on what's going on, but sometimes news can take over, and I can read and read and read for the sake of knowing what's going on in the world, and it does, me, does no good for my soul. During the, during the first part of the pandemic, I literally had to quit reading and listening to the news because my spirit was overwhelmed, and I just was discouraged. I've had to monitor that. Social media, another area of distraction. Nothing wrong with social media, but it sometimes can get taken, carried away. You see, that's the hindrances that keep us from moving forward. And those are a few of mine. I have others. 
nothing sinful, but sometimes they lead to sin. They lead us to distraction. And so the writer to the Hebrews says, he says, you got to get rid of those. You have to figure out what it is that's hindering you, what's slowing you down from things, and overcome them in whatever way you're able to, to help us keep moving forward in the race. That's the hindrances that the writer talks about. But then he also talks about the entanglements, the sinful things, the things that really trip us up. The sin that so easily entangles, as he puts it. And how sin can easily trip us up and cause us all kinds of heartache, brokenness, pain, and suffering because we allow ourselves to continue to fall into that. One of mine, I didn't think... Um, now, again, I, as I said, I don't think insecurity was a sin. But you see, because I was insecure, that led me to, to rebel against being insecure. And any time you rebel against something, it's never good. Never good. Even if, it's not, even if that what you're rebelling against is evil, because what often happens is rebellion is a, you're, you're overreacting against something. You're reacting against something, not choosing to, to do something. And so when you rebel against something, even if it's a sin, you can often, the, the response is often an overreaction, which leads us into another ditch, another whole issue of problems. And so when I rebelled against insecurity, I become arrogant and proud and trying to push my own agenda. I would talk ceaselessly, and sometimes I still do. I love to tell stories. I love to tell the stories about where I've been, things have happened, things have experienced, things my parents have, I mean, I love to tell stories. But that makes it about me. And that's how I find my security, which is not what God wants me to find my security in. Another sin I have is impatience and coveting, wanting what others have, not resting. And that breaks the Sabbath, what God called us in the Sabbath to do. Then there's other things like bitterness and lusting and jealousy. And I mean, the list goes on and on. Things that, that I wrestle with in my own heart and mind. Those are all sins that trip me up at different times. And some of those things sometimes even lead me to things like anger, which never does anybody any good. And that was a huge part of my life for so many years until my early teens, or early 20s. And there's so much packed. I had packed in this suitcase, this trunk of my life, that this trunk was probably not even big enough to contain all the stuff, that, all the junk that I had. And it was heavy. And it was weighty. And I thought it was invisible. I thought nobody could see it. I would just stand in front and just kind of pretend that it was behind me. And, and nobody could see all those things that, were in, that, were, that I was packing around. Sometimes people didn't know all the stuff that was in the trunk. But there was obvious signs that things were not right. Sometimes we don't see our sins that they become so natural, so much a part of our lives that we're just thinking, that's, that's normal. It's normal for us. I mean, it was, my parents did it, so that's just who I am. Right? There's things like that. 
We all have traits that get passed down from, through our family legacy, you know, you know things like physical traits and uh, honor and passions and all those kinds of things get passed. But there's also the dark side that gets passed down, and, and those things we don't like to address because we're not sure what to do about that. There's sinful traits and sinful patterns and, and hindrances that we, we've kind of accumulated and they're just part of who we are and we're just going, well, that's me. That's who I am. Like it or leave it. Like, that's ah, just me. And we excuse ourselves based on those things that we are buried within us rather than seeking to become more like Jesus. The Bible talks lots about blessings and cursings of sins being, of blessings that are passed on as well as curses that are passed on for the next generation. In Exodus 34, um, Moses says this, and he said, or the story about Moses, or God's talking to Moses. And, and so Moses, in verse 6, it says, And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands. And forgiveness and forgiving weakness, rebellion and sin. We love that part. Yet the next part we're not so sure about, where he says, Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and, the, and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generations. General, generational sin is seen in the Bible, it's seen in the person of Abraham. And Isaac, the way they lived, the way they lied, even what they lied about, they, they lied about the similar kinds of things. We see that in the life of David with the sexual sins that he got caught up in because that's what the problems his sons and grandsons were all caught up in as well. So the last part of this whole thing is we want God to bless us, but we also need to deal with somehow deal with those generational things. And we don't want to acknowledge those because we don't want to dishonor our parents. Our parents tried really hard. They, I mean, we want to respect them. We want to honor them, our parents and our grandparents, our aunts and uncles. But you probably know that your parents weren't perfect. Like, they probably failed. And somehow that in acknowledging that and recognizing that, you're bringing dishonor upon them. But God says, no, be, we still need to address those things. We can love those parts of our parents and grandparents that got passed on to us. But none of us want those things passed on to our children or to our grandchildren. And so we need to address those things. I don't want the things that I discovered about my, about my grandparents or my great-grandparents or things that they did or aunts and uncles, patterns they got caught up in. I don't want any of those things pushed on down to my children or to my grandchildren. Thought patterns, anger issues, sexual issues, divorce, independent thinking, inability to trust God or trusting the wrong God. And so six years ago, when Vanjie and I started on this journey of saying, whatever it takes, we want to unpack the trunk. We want to make the load lighter that we're carrying around as God leads us. We started on a journey. And, and trust me, it, it, it was just the beginning. Just the beginning. Because we're still unpacking the trunk. There's things that we're still unpacking in our lives. I mean, Vange and I even got to the place where we called a family meeting with our kids. 
um, some six years ago, and we called them in, and, and we told them some things that we had done. And it was, it was, they were embarrassing things. They were shameful things. But we did not want our grandchildren and our children to be stuck with our mess. And some of that came from our parents and our grandparents. And so we had to own that stuff. We had to own it. We had to humble ourselves before our kids and, and be transparent before them. And in some cases, we weren't sure how they were going to take what we shared, to be honest. We were nervous. But by God's grace, they loved on us. And, and it deepened our relationship with them. And even now, I still think about some of those things that have gone on before, past generational things that, my, that others before us have gone on, both on Vange's side and our side. I mean, there's things we don't know, and we have to trust that to God. But there's things that God reveals to us that we just have to pray about and just try and seek God to break off so it does not get passed on down. Now, you might be... now. I don't know, maybe your trunk's not, I mean, I've been around a long time, 62 years. My trunk's pretty big, and it was even bigger because it wasn't until I, was, I said six years ago that I started unpacking a lot of the stuff that I'd, I'd been packing around for 60 years or 50 years or whatever. And so there can be a lot of fear about what to do. What do you do? How do you open it up? And pull out the stuff that's in there. Without messing up your whole life. And being in despair. And being in despair. Let me just say this. Don't get discouraged. No matter how big. You may think your trunk is bigger than mine. I don't know. Everybody thinks their trunk is huge. Because they're just they're stuff you just don't talk about. But let God lead you step by step. Don't miss that. Ask God to show you where to start, one step at a time. God is gentle. Remember the first part of that verse? It says in, in Exodus, it says, He is uh, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to a thousand generations, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. God loves you. And he wants you to take one step at a time. So ask him, God, where do I start? What do I pull out first? He's kind. Listen to what he says. Trust him. God never wants to overwhelm us. Sometimes it will feel overwhelming. I know I've been with people that were going, I, and I've had people say to me, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know that I can do this. I've heard that a number of times. But I've stood with them, friends, family members, and said, yes, God is faithful. I'm here. We can do this together. Which leads us to the next stuff, uh, the next part. Well, let me say this first. Start with easy stuff. Don't tackle the big ones. You know, get all the little pieces out. Try and deal with the easy stuff first. That's maybe not biblical, but 
that's, it might just help you. And then see what it does to your heart when you get rid of that stuff. See what it does to your life. How lighter you feel. How much more in communion you are with God. How more open you are with people around you when you're not always having to worry about whether they're seeing what's in your trunk. So that's the first part. The other part is, this is going to be a longer process than, uh, you know, reading a book or coming to a seminar or hearing five or six messages on this stuff. This is a lifetime journey. How long did it take you to pack those things in the trunk? 20 years? 30 years? 40 years? Hopefully it won't take you that long to unpack it. But it will take more than a week or a day or a year. And be okay with that. Just rest in that. God's got you. That's the good thing about this. Is God doesn't... Because if, if I knew... If I had to deal with all the stuff in my, suit, in my trunk in one sitting, even in a year, or even five years or six years, to be honest, I'd have probably committed suicide. Because it would just be overwhelming. I couldn't handle it. So it's a journey, it's a process. Let me encourage you in this. Find one other person that you, at least one other person. Better if you got two that'll walk with you that you can do this together with each other in kind of a, a trio, a triad. You confess to each other, open up. Now, you remember, you got to trust these people, and whatever you share with one another has to stay with one another. But somehow, not just confessing it to God, but telling another individual was incredibly freeing for me. And it is for many, many people, both emotionally as well as they are praying for you. Prayer is a powerful weapon, and there's something that happens when another person prays, prays for you. God loves it when we gather together and when we confess our sins one to another. And so let me encourage you to find another one or two people. At I wouldn't go probably beyond two, but try and get a couple of people that you can, you can connect with, that you can talk to about this process. And then extend grace to one another. Don't judge one another. Don't critique what they've done. Don't say, ah, oh, man, you should have known better. We all should have known better. In, the, in, in, in Luke's gospel, Jesus tells three stories, three parables. He tells the parable about the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. And packed in the middle of that, he says twice, he makes this statement. He says, um, that when a sinner repents, heaven rejoices. Heaven throws a party, my paraphrase. Heaven throws a party. But so often, when somebody confesses to us to a sin, we go, oh, oh, no. And we react, and we're going, oh, man. And then we start putting up walls, and how can I trust you if you, that is who you are, and that's what you've done, and But that's not what happens in heaven. We create judgment in the midst of someone being vulnerable and wanting to confess and wanting to have 
grace extended to them, we judge them. And that is the farthest from what God wanted. Do you know that this, the prodigal son, the lost son, was always a son? There was never a point when he was not a son. In other words, he was always a Christian, if you want to put it in terms. He was always a believer, a follower of God. And yet he walked away from his father, his heavenly father. And yet his heavenly father waited for him. And when his heavenly father, when he finally came to a senses, came back, the father didn't condemn him. The brother did. Not the father. And that's how God wants us to respond. Whatever grace we would want to be extended to us, that's the same grace we need to extend to others. And we need to celebrate the courage it takes to own the stuff that gets in our suitcase that we need to unpack. Vange and I have heard some pretty crazy stories, some pretty horrific things that people have done. Things that were outside my experiences and they were just so grateful that we could sit with them and hear their stories and pray with them. And you can do that for each other. To confess to each other. To talk about that. And it all starts with one small step. One small step. Getting rid of the hindrances. Getting rid of the the, the sinful entanglements. And that's where we need to start, is to own those things so that our, you can see the freedom that God wants to bring into our life. Because, you know, to be honest, packing a trunk around like this, it's pretty heavy stuff. It takes a lot of energy. And none of us want those things really to be in there. We'd all want to be filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. We want all of Jesus to be dwelling in us so that we can love people and celebrate and rejoice. But when our life is so heavy, there's no room for that. There's no room for that. God calls us one step at a time. One step at a time. Let's pray. God, you know how scared I was to deal with the stuff, the hindrances, the entanglements that I've dealt with in my life. And God, there's even some things I still trip on, still struggle with, things that are easy for me to fall into. And you know those things. God, in your mercy, I invite you, as each of us begins to think through some of those things, God, help us each to find the way to freedom so that you can create, that we can have more joy, more of you, more love and compassion, and we can follow in the steps of Jesus more and more because you want to make us a new creation. You want us to be bursting and joyful people, not just even externally, because some of us are pretty good at putting on a pretty good face. I, I could put on a pretty good face, Jesus. But you know the dark things inside that you had to extract from my life. And you know how extracting those things changed my life and changed Van's lives and changed many of the people in this room as well who have taken those steps 
forward in faith and trusted you for to confess and to own up on that stuff. God, you know the joy that brings. You know how it changes us and makes us more fun people to be around, more enjoyable people to be around. But God, it takes those steps of opening up the trunk and owning the junk that's there so that there's more of you can be put in. Give us the courage to respond in obedience, Jesus, one step at a time. One step at a time. And we ask this in your name. Amen.